0: Welcome to the Shell Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Last week we began a preaching series called The Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. We're looking at a, a passage, a pretty well-known passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus is teaching. And um, we all probably know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And We're looking at what Jesus is teaching us here. What we can take on board in our lives today. And Last week, as uh, Steve spoke, he spoke to us about um, two heart attitudes or blessings um, what it means to be poor in spirit and what it means to mourn. And they're probably two things that I suppose if you ask people today about whether they're blessed, they wouldn't associate those two things with, with, uh, with being blessed, would they? You know, they think that's pretty weird, it sounds like kind of pretty uncool stuff, but today we're going to look at another attitude that's very much at odds with what I guess our society and our culture would associate with the idea of being blessed. So we're looking at the beatitudes, attitudes, attitudes that we should take on board in our life, and this passage that we're talking about is called the Beatitudes. but what we're looking at here is an attitude. So what is an attitude? You might hear someone say, I'm keeping a good attitude about such and such, or you might say of another person, that person's got a bad attitude. So what's an attitude? An attitude's a manner of thinking. It's a mindset that plays out in our actions or our speech. It's something we decide. It's a thought pattern. Something we adhere to. Our attitudes, they're normally uh, drawn from one of two sources. The first source we can draw our attitudes from is emotion. When we draw our attitudes from our emotions, our attitude goes along with our feelings. We're on a high and we're excited and this colours our day. And We wake up feeling tired or grumpy and we adopt an attitude based on our feelings. So thus goes our day, and our words and our actions flow from our emotions. It's a bit of a roller coaster ride, not only for us, but for all the people we come in contact with, isn't it? The other place that we can draw our attitude from is our beliefs. We draw our attitude or our mindset from what we believe or what we're convinced of. It's a much more stable way to go. And of course, as believers, we know that what God teaches us in his word is the most profitable thing for us, isn't it? He's made us, he's designed us, and he knows the best for us. So we draw our attitudes from those things in his word. So here, in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus is giving us some great keys that as Steve spoke of last week, If we outwork these things in our lives, we make more room for God to occupy. Anyone want more of God occupying their lives? Yep, a few people out there. That's good. Good start. So a God-defined life, as Steve said, is going to be much more fulfilling than a self-defined life, isn't it? The I-did-it-my-way thinking is a trap. At work, I work on some pretty complex stuff, And the guide always is, follow the manufacturer's instructions. That's my advice here today. Follow the manufacturer's instructions. So, an attitude is a mindset or a choice. And our choices are what direct our lives, aren't they? So let's see what Jesus has to say about that today. So we come to this passage in Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus has a great crowd of people around him. In Matthew 4 it says large crowds from the whole region. And when you look at the map, the area they describe, we're talking about a region from more than 100 kilometres away. And uh, given that, I guess, people didn't have cars back then, that's a long way to walk, isn't it? A long way to walk, to go and hear a guy and see what he's doing. So these people from more than 100 kilometres away are following Jesus much of his ministry up to this point has been very practical he's been out there walking around a little bit of teaching in synagogues but mostly healing people showing practically God's love to people so lots and lots of people are following Jesus I guess they're curious to see what this is all about, this is something they haven't seen before the religious institution of the day is all about rules and regulations, do this, do that, follow this, follow that. And this guy is just completely different to anything that people have seen in their lives. So these miracles have attracted a large crowd. And then Jesus, with this large crowd in tow, he now uses this opportunity to teach his close followers, but also anyone else who will listen. He's throwing the net out there far and wide, He wants to teach people. He's setting the foundations of his kingdom. How to live as a citizen of that kingdom. The key message here is repent. Turn around. Change your attitude. The kingdom of God is at hand. Here it is. He's got these gems here for people, if they'll listen. Now, as I said, this is such a great shift for people from the religious institution of the day, now Jesus God's son is walking amongst people in human form this has been foretold for a long time this is a huge shift in how God relates to mankind no longer is this relationship with God done by following a set of rules and regulations the law is now written on the hearts of the followers the relationship just got a whole lot closer for people Jesus is here He can be known right here in front of them. Amazing stuff. He's inviting people back into relationship and he's restoring that fellowship that was lost way back in Genesis in the Garden of Eden. So when the Old Testament law was given, you look back in Exodus, Mount Sinai, the people are told, stay away from the mountain. God comes down. Moses goes up. And the law is given. Now we come to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes up and he waits for the people to come to him before he speaks to them. Amazing stuff. And when he speaks, he speaks in very practical ways about his kingdom, of how they can live as a citizen of this kingdom. He teaches things that will bring God's blessing. He brings some clarity to this written law that they've all been following. He addresses social issues, things that are applicable to everyone, people's everyday life, how to get along with others, and, but then he looks at our heart attitudes, and they're the things we're going to be looking at again this morning. And some great keys here, I guess, in establishing ourselves in the faith. Jesus is teaching things that will bless us, things that will bring favour with God, things that will please him both now and through to eternity and we're t- not talking about salvation here Our salvation is done with Jesus but this is about God's lordship in our lives and I guess his lordship is what brings up blessing upon our lives isn't it you know like God saved us but if he's truly a lord we're going to follow him we're going to listen to what he's got to say because what he's got to say to us is going to bring blessing and favour in our lives right does that make sense that, Good on you. I don't know about you, but when I read what Jesus has to say, it's always quite astounding, you know. It's it's so direct. When you sit there and dwell on it, you just go, wow, you know, like and I guess in the day when people were listening to it, it would have been the same, that same impact of just like, I've never heard anyone speak like this before. And so I think we do well to spend time dwelling on what Jesus has to say and I don't know about you but when I, when I read it I don't want to be just a listener but I want to be a doer of what God's got to say to us eh so grab your Bible and open up to Matthew chapter 5 this morning In the first part of this teaching Jesus goes through some heart attitudes and he pronounces blessings on them so these are attitudes that God looks on favourably Remember, an attitude is a choice or a mindset. And Last week we saw that the poor in spirit and those who mourn are blessed. So today we're coming to Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Let's read it. Short and sweet. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So, what's Jesus talking about here? What does it mean? I think this is a verse that we often gloss over and we don't really drill into. Because, uh, as we said before, I guess like those first two attitudes that Steve spoke of last week, they don't really sit easy with us, do they? You know, like it's not simple for us when we're full of ourselves and busy life to really consider or make room for these attitudes to grow and flourish sort of so c- countercultural cultural to what, what's around us. So there's a few things I want to check out today. Some questions that came to my mind when I read this verse. What does Jesus really mean when he says this group of people are blessed? And what's it mean to be meek, anyway? It's a funny kind of word, isn't it? And now I'm confused because I thought my inheritance was in heaven. So let's check these things out. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Blessed. I think our picture of what it means to be blessed is a bit skewed in today's world, isn't it? I think we often mistake happiness for blessedness, don't we? I think, I guess, things like success, wealth, popularity, we think those kind of things is blessedness. They're things that may make us happy but not necessarily associated with blessedness. We think those things are going to satisfy us but I guess things like that in and of themselves, they just leave us hungry, don't they? They leave us hungry for more of themselves, more success, more popularity, more wealth. They're never really satisfying us, are they? So Steve spoke last week about this vacuum filled space inside of us that's designed to be filled with a relationship and a desire for God and so often we fill it with this other stuff but true blessedness is not an emotion it's not just happiness it's a spiritual joy or a contentment that's not dependent on our circumstances you can be blessed in probably the most average of circumstances. So where does it come from? Well, Jesus lays it out there pretty simply, doesn't he? When, uh, if we listen to him, he says, The attitude we take on will bring blessing around our lives. I'll say that again. The attitude we take on will bring blessing around our lives. Blessed are the meek. Meek's a word you don't hear too often these days, is it? That's a pretty kind of old kind of sounding word, isn't it? You know. But just like blessed, I think we often confuse this word today, often with another one that rhymes with it. But they're worlds apart. Meek is not weak. Meek is not timid. Meek doesn't mean that you're a doormat the picture of meek and listen to this meek the picture is strength brought under control or strength submitted to control in, in the Greek the image is a wild horse tamed to the bridle you think of that great strength that's submitted to the direction of its rider or its master. So meek's not weak at all, is it? Quite different. Meekness is also a picture, I guess, when you apply it, of humility. of gentleness towards others. And People often think of those things, but they don't think of the strength that it takes to apply that. One who is meek refuses to assert themselves for themselves it's the opposite of self-serving Paul describes that in Romans twelve 3. let's have a quick look at it Paul speaking here he says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service And he goes on not to be conformed. So he says, So, for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So it's also that reasonable assessment of who we are and what God's calling us to do. One who is meek is not easily stirred up. You can often return a cool answer when things get hot. One who is meek is often wise and self controlled. It takes some wisdom and some self control to choose an attitude of meekness. It's also interesting to note that Jesus described himself as meek in Matthew eleven, twenty eight and twenty nine. Again this picture of strength brought under control. You think of Jesus, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's perfect with all the power of God at his disposal. Yet he's completely submitted to the will of his Father. Each day he walks the earth all the way to the cross. Moses was also described as meek. In Numbers 12:13, he self-confessed, he says, that he's meek. This is a leader of the entire nation of Israel, millions of people. meets with God and when he comes back his face is shining with the radiance of the presence he's been in. Yet again, his power doesn't go to his head. He understands what he's been called to do and he brings that strength and that power under control, under the lordship of his God. So it seems that the closer people get to God the meeker they become. There's a bit of a clue there for us too, isn't there? This attitude is going to lead us closer to God. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? So Paul also encourages to take on that attitude again in Philippians five, uh, Philippians two, five and 11, five to eleven, encouraging this thing to come out and be outworked within us, to choose this attitude. So blessed are the meek. So we're spiritually prosperous and content when we allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us, our thoughts, our words and our actions. And the reward, it's pretty direct here, isn't it? Jesus says we will inherit the earth. I think this has both a present and a future blessing. Here and now, the blessing is that contentment, being blessed is that contentment. Paul describes it in Philippians 4:2, know if I've got that one here for you, no, I'm afraid not. He says contentment is a choice. Remember Paul speaking there. He says, I, I, "I've learnt how to be content. I've learnt how to be abased. I've learnt how to be, you know, to be doing well. It's a choice. In whatever circumstance he is in, there's this contentment." that he's learnt by being submitted to what God has for him. And I guess in that we're free to enjoy that everything God provides, aren't we? You know, There's that great contentment. But then there's the future blessing. And that's described, I think, in Revelation 21. If you want to turn to Revelation 21, verse 1. John speaking, and he says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people God himself will be with them and will be their God God will wipe away every tear from their eyes there will be no more death nor sorrow nor crying there will be no more pain for the former things have passed away and down to verse 7 he who overcomes will inherit all things I will be his God and he will be my son. So this is our future inheritance. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I know when God makes something new it's going to be pretty good. When he made this earth he said it was good. and We read about it there in Genesis. It was perfect. Man walked with God. I know when he makes a new heaven and a new earth even the simple things he described there that's pretty amazing, isn't it? No more crying, no more sorrow, no more death. Pretty cool, looking stuff? That's the inheritance of those who are meek. So I guess in a world with so many sources to draw our identity from, we have this choice, don't we? And I think often the Bible takes a distant second to all those other things that are bombarding us out there, all this other media we have around us all these things that we can decide we're going to take on board. But I think it's also interesting to see what Jesus says at the end of his teaching here in Matthew 5 through 7. Again, very direct. Let's see what he's got to say in Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall so we have a choice don't we we either take on board what Jesus says and we can apply that to our lives or we cannot and Jesus laid out the consequences I guess of that as well so as the band comes up this morning I have to invite them back up again now so I just want to encourage you this week to spend some more time looking at this passage of Scripture and to see what Jesus has to say. Take your time, ask yourself some questions. Ask God some questions about it too. And consider if you need to make any adjustments to your heart attitudes. Let's chase after what Jesus has to say, eh? that's really what's going to bring reward to our lives, isn't it? So as we finish up this morning, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that you loved us enough to send Jesus. We thank you for the lessons that he left us and the sacrifice that he made for us all. Help us today to learn from your word, to take on this heart attitude of meekness, Teach us what this looks like to bring our thoughts and our words and our actions under your control. We want more of you in our lives. And This morning you might say, yes, I want more of Jesus in my life. Maybe you've never submitted your life to him and asked him to be your Saviour and your Lord. The Bible's crystal clear that we all and it says we all need saving. Is that you this morning? Maybe you realise this morning that you began this journey of following Jesus. But you've strayed away from that. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray for you now. So if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you raise your hand this morning so I could see it? Is that you this morning? We just thank you, Father, for your word this morning. Thank you that we can apply it to our lives. just invite you to come with us now as we go out. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.